If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Everyone on earth is more connected today than ever in history. Thanks to the internet and social media. Yet, ironically, we're also more isolated. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah examines this paradox in light of the fact that God created us for community. Discover why personal relationships are critical to living confidently. As David shares his thought-provoking message, stay connected. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, This is Turning Point, and we're talking about living with confidence in a chaotic world. One of the important things when you live in the midst of chaos, as we have been over these last weeks, is to stay connected to your church. And it's been such an incredible challenge when we have been told we can't go to church. I know we've tried to do the best we could do with uh, all of our internet services, but it's time to go back to church. We're back to church here at Shadow Mountain. And the bottom line is, friends, God created us to be in harmony, first with Him and then with others. And it's an important imperative. He tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're going to talk about that today and tomorrow as we continue our journey uh, through the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope in Uncertain Times. This book, 230 pages of it, all in this beautiful new package, is available to you during the month of April. But here's how you can acquire it. Ask God to give you a a vision, a desire to help us with what we do in the dissemination of the Word of God. Friends, what we're doing is becoming more and more important every day as we see the day approaching. We have many who used to do this who do it no longer, and uh, we believe that God has called us to this, and we're thankful for the opportunity to answer that call. We can't do it without you. So when you send your gift, we are so blessed, and we want to add value to your life. So we'll send you this book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. It's full of the truth you've been listening to on the radio, plus a lot more. All of the footnotes, all of the outlines, all of the information, yours for the asking during the month of April when you send your gift. Well, let's learn how to stay connected. Well, today we continue our series of studies on the subject of living with confidence in a chaotic world. This is the fifth message in this series of 10. Today, I want to talk with you about this strategy. Stay connected. Stay connected. In his book, Bowling Alone, The Collapse and Revival of American Community, Robert Putnam observes that since the 1960s, Americans have become 10% less likely to be churchgoers and 25 to 50% less likely to be involved in any religious activities. In other words, there are now fewer church members and a great many are less active ones. During the 1950s, there was a boom in church attendance. I remember those days. Putnam believes those strides have been reversed and perhaps even overcompensated for 
in the other direction. People are not only staying away from churches, friends, they're staying away from community groups altogether, groups like clubs and service organizations, adult sports leagues. Charles Colson, one of my friends, notes that the age of personal computers has pushed individualism to a new level so that rather than connecting with people face-to-face, they do it electronically through Internet, social networking, email, and instant messaging much of the time with handles rather than names and faceless anonymity replacing deep knowing friendships. Well, cyber community seems nice until something bad happens and then we want FaceTime rather than Facebook. In the aftermath of September 11, 2001, people came looking for greater community. The same thing happened with the subsequent series of crises that followed. On the Sunday after 9-11, our large sanctuary here could not contain all the people who wanted to be a part of our worship services. And for a few weeks after that, we had record attendances. But then, as the thought of all that had happened began to settle in, we went back to our normal pattern of not coming to church. When the economic bottom fell out late in 2008, the New York Times had this headline, Bad Times Draw Bigger Crowds to Churches. The article studied the spikes in attendance of evangelical churches during every recession cycle of the last 40 years. Each time, growth jumped 50% in the wake of bad news and then settled back into the routine as people became more comfortable. How does this affect society? How does it influence individuals? Theologian Leonard Sweet writes that each of us lives on many levels and we need multi-leveled relationships with different kinds of people to be healthy and whole. So with the decline of extended families in our Western culture, this becomes all the more important. And you know, we could be seeing some of the results of this disconnectedness already. Two studies found that the number of people reporting that they had no one with whom they really share important issues had tripled. Nearly half of all Americans claimed that either they had no friends at all or only one intimate friend. And social networks have become all the rage. We suspect that people long for authentic community and perhaps they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Online friendship isn't ultimately satisfying and all of the studies prove that. It's possible to have 300 connections on Facebook, 200 following you on Twitter and feel as if nobody knows you at all and that you're still all alone. So during tough times, we're seeing a widespread craving for genuine soul-to-soul connection. Let me ask you this. How many online friends will come to visit us if we check into the hospital? How many will hold us accountable for living with godly integrity? Relationships, you see, were made by the Creator to provide the answers to the needs we have as individuals. In Genesis 2.18, we read, it was our creator who said this, it is not good that man should be alone. And he brought Eve into the world to provide rewarding human interaction for Adam. You see, relationships, men and women, are part of our basic design. We require a relationship with God's only son, Jesus Christ, 
in order to be saved. And after that, a great deal of our growth as believers comes through our accountability and our relationship with fellow Christians. Together, we become something much larger than we could ever be alone. Now, according to the New Testament, we are the one body of Christ, an assembly of parts that only function in unison. We call this body the church. Have you ever noticed in the Bible the great three 16 verses? I mean, verses that are located in chapter 3 and verse 16. Notice John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The world is all of us together. And then there's 1 John 3:16, which tells us we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In other words, God set the pattern and we're to follow with each other. And then there's Philippians 3:16, which encourages us to walk by the same rule and the same mind and what that passage is talking about is community. And then of course, if you go all the way back to the Old Testament and Malachi 3:16, Here's what you read. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. That verse from the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, tells us that when God-fearing people began to speak to one another, God listens to them and their conversation becomes part of eternity through what is called the book of remembrance. Do you remember what Jesus said? He sums it all up for us. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, I'm there in the midst of them. We can always experience the presence of God alone, and we should do that every day. But special things happen, men and women, when believers gather together to share in Christ. There is a powerful and positive relationship among the three persons of the Godhead as each glorifies the other. And any strong church or fellowship reflects this principle. When we love and perfect each other, we are reflecting the work of the Holy Trinity and participating in his ancient and everlasting love. The New Testament, as many of you know, has an incredible pattern of one another passages one another tasks, encourage one another, and love one another, and bear with one another, just to name a few. As we carry these one another responsibilities out, we begin to experience a unique form of godliness that can't be attained as separate human entities. We reflect the roles and the relationships of the triune God, and we really do become the people of God, the body of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So, if we are going to be able to live courageous lives in these chaotic days, we are going to need to be calm in our hearts, compassionate toward other people, constructive in our relationships, challenged to grow, and connected to the church. We were created to live in community, not in isolation. Mary Sanders, a Southern Baptist missionary in Africa, once described a regular meeting she had with a new Christian in Somalia. The regular appointment was secret because the area was predominantly Islamic and often very intolerant of Christians. On this particular evening, Mary reviewed the memory verse that the young Somali convert had been learning. Here was the verse, Psalm 118, verse 24. 
This is the day which the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. After reciting the verse, Mary and her convert began to discuss the verse and what it meant. And then they sang the familiar chorus that is based upon that verse. And the young man was delighted. And the idea of singing raised a question in his mind. And, and he looked at his discipler, Mary, and he said to her, when there is more than one Christian, what other things do you do? Mary realized as he asked that question that he had no idea of corporate worship. He had no understanding of music and praying together and Bible study. All these things that she took for granted were unimaginable to someone whose experience was limited to private Bible study and prayer for fear of the persecution that would come if he met with other believers. Well, this series of messages is about what on earth we should be doing in times like these. And it's built on the framework of passages about the return of Christ. So the Bible teaches that we should be living every day with an attitude of expectancy, and the New Testament writers had to preach that same message. Where is it in the Bible that we find this priority of being connected to the church? Where is that written? Well, if you open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 and 25, here's what you will find. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That is the passage which is the central passage in the New Testament for the importance of staying connected within the church. We follow daily events and we realize that this present age could end very soon and that Christ's return should be approaching. And when we realize that, the motives that we have should be stronger than ever to be busy with our Father's business. And it's very clear that part of that business is to stay connected to one another through the fellowship of the church. We are to devote ourselves to one another and to begin preparing the body of Christ as we prepare ourselves for that day when he arrives to reclaim us. As we see the day approaching, says the book of Hebrews, as we understand that Christ is coming back, says the writer, in that situation, we should not be separating from one another, but rather we should be gathering together more frequently instead of less frequently. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 constitute the New Testament's central statement on the importance of the church. By the way, in the course of this message, you're going to notice that this is one of my favorite words, connectivity. I love that word. Of course, in the current uh, environment in which we live, people hear that term and they think of computers and networks and the internet and in the world of business. Our world of spiritual business is the ultimate connectivity the kind Jesus described to his disciples when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me ye can do nothing. In that marvelous analogy, we are all interconnected through our attachment to the true vine, Jesus Christ. And friends, I want to impress upon you today that you cannot afford to be cut off from each other or from the vine that sustains you, that feeds you and helps you to grow as we have connectivity with him and with one another, we begin to bear much fruit according to John chapter 15. I want to make a case today, if I can, for the importance of the church and for the importance of the church as never before 
in these very crucial and difficult ages in which we live. The Bible says, as we see the day approaching, we should gather together with great urgency. Now, let's go back to this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, and let's unpack it and find the principles that will help us get this truth in our hearts and hopefully in our walk as well. Notice, first of all, the imperative of connectivity. Let's take a closer look at this passage and discover what that means. Notice the wording, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. Now, there are three exhortations given to us by the Lord through the writer of this passage in Hebrews, which are set apart by the words, let us. Hebrews 10.22, for instance, says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. This is our responsibility to God coming to him wholeheartedly. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. This is our responsibility to ourselves, to live hopefully. And Hebrews 10.24 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's our responsibility to one another, and we fulfill it by Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You see, for the writer of Hebrews, worship attendance isn't an option for us. Take a close look at the first generation of believers and you will see how strongly they felt about it. According to the book of Acts, our document of that particular time, these first Christians assembled in two ways. They came together publicly and they came together privately. One was the more formal expression of the church, and the other was the more informal and intimate expression of the church in homes. Just think with me for a moment about their connectivity in public meetings. Those first Christians were continuing daily and with one accord in the temple, Acts 2.46. Now notice that I said in the temple and in the synagogues. Isn't that the last place you would expect Christians together in the wake of hostility against Jesus? I mean, you'd think that the followers of Christ were looking for trouble by gathering there. But don't forget, men and women, that most of the first Christians were also Jewish. The temple was the greatest symbol of worship and spiritual community, and they could not imagine any other place to meet. And of course, as you look closer and examine the language in Acts chapter 2, you will discover that it was actually in the temple courts where the believers met. The crowds were tremendous in the wake of the resurrection, and most people believe that the only place in Jerusalem that would have been big enough for such a crowd would have been the court of the temple. This matter of gathering together is highly significant. The phrase is actually an interesting word. It's a word in the language of the New Testament. It only occurs a couple of times, once here in Hebrews and again in 2 Thessalonians. In the second letter to the Thessalonian church, Paul used it this way. He said, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, from these uses of the word, we learn that there are two gathering togethers, one on earth when we gather together as the body of Christ and one coming in the future when we are all gathered together to go with Jesus Christ into heaven. And I want you to understand something very important that the two gatherings are equally important in the mind of God. One day we're going to be gathered together with Christ and ushered into the kingdom. But the Bible says we're together together now in anticipation of that time. 
regardless of the stern warning in Hebrews, many believers today don't seem to take church attendance very seriously. As a pastor, I hear words all the time like, oh, I'm spiritual, but I don't particularly need the church or institutional religion. When somebody tells me I've learned to worship God on the golf course, (laughs) I'm tempted to reply, that's a good trick and just about as easy as playing golf in the church auditorium. (laughs) I would love to see the normal people of our day approach the sporting events which are so popular with the same attitude they bring to Christian fellowship. Some time ago, somebody sent me an anonymous little email with a tongue-in-cheek sampling of what it would be like if people approach sporting events like they approach church. And here is a list of the reasons for no longer attending professional sports games. Are you ready? Here they are. Number one, every time I go, they ask me for money. (laughs) Number two, the people I sit by aren't very friendly. Number three, the seats are too hard and uncomfortable. Number four, the coach, the coach never comes to call on me. Number five, the referees make decisions I don't agree with. Number six, some games go into overtime and I'm late getting home. Number seven, my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. And number eight, my kids need to make their own decisions about which sports to follow. They're pretty lame, aren't they? Pretty lame for the sports events of our day and even more lame for our excuses in not going to church. Now, I understand that it's true that some people can't go to church. I mean, there are people who have no ability to get out. Maybe they don't have transportation, or perhaps they're infirm, and they can't leave their home. And, of course, that's the reason why we have a radio and television ministry. We minister to those people. But we never allow that to be an excuse for not going to church, if indeed they are able. In fact, If you all listen to my radio program, you know that almost every Friday as we break for the weekend, I make a little announcement to those who are listening and tell them, listen, don't you ever use Turning Point as an excuse for not being involved in the church. Turning Point Radio was never meant to replace your church, so be sure to go to church this weekend. Find a church where God's word is taught and Christ is honored, and go there, be an encouragement to your pastor and a blessing to the other people. I believe that sincerely because I think that's the priority of the Word of God. So, in the New Testament, there was connectivity in public meetings, but they also gathered privately, and I find this very significant. They came together in their homes. The last part of Acts 2.46 says this, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Isn't that a wonderful description of what goes on today in many home Bible study and fellowship groups in our church and many other churches around the country and around the world. You see, the early church had this perfect balance between corporate worship in the temple court and dinner meetings in individual homes. Every day there were brand new believers in Jerusalem coming to the large gathering and funneling from the large gathering into the small groups. And when they went to the small groups, they were encouraged to gather in the temple in corporate worship. And that's the balance we should have in our churches today. Coming together in our massive groups for majestic praise and worship and teaching of the word of God. And then during the week, getting together with others in smaller groups where we know everybody by name and we can discuss the things of God and grow. And our growth becomes exponential when we balance it out with these two strategies. Amen. Stay connected. 
Well, um, we have one more lesson uh, from this particular subject, and it'll be tomorrow on Friday when I could tell you to stay connected and go to your church, and we'll be sure to do that. Hey, during the month of April, we're making available uh, a brand new uh, redesigned book uh, called Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope in Uncertain Times. We've experienced a global pandemic, violence in the streets, cries of injustice across communities, economic instability. There's never been in life so many chaotic things happening at once, and we need to know how to respond. So our resource for the month of April is a book that helps you respond, discovering certain hope in uncertain times, learning how to live with chaos. This book is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of April. I do not apologize for telling you we need your help. We need you to help us stay connected with our audience because with radio, that's what we do. Every day we talk to hundreds of thousands of people, and you help us do that. We share with them the truth of the Word of God, and they're blessed and strengthened, and they share it with others. This wonderful thing happens called Turning Point. So be sure and ask for your copy of the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, when you send your April gift to Turning Point today. We'll see you right here tomorrow. For the next edition of Turning Point, I'm David Jeremiah. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and start living with a greater certainty in these uncertain times. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue living with confidence in a chaotic world on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Legacy. When I think about my life and the legacy I will leave behind one day, I remember the legacy of faith I saw in the lives of my parents, and it is now reflected in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Then I reflect upon the calling God placed on my heart to preach and teach, and I think of the people who have been touched around the world through the ministry of Turning Point. Each of us will leave a legacy. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? In addition to the legacy that will be entrusted to your family, perhaps you have considered leaving your imprint on something with eternal consequences. Many people don't think beyond this life. They live only for today with no hope beyond the grave. But for the believer, we not only have an eternal perspective on life today, we want to leave behind a testimony of our faith so that others may come to know Christ as well. Long after you and I finish our time on this earth, Turning Point will continue to bring the unchanging Word of God 
to an ever-changing world. And there is still so much work to do. Will you join me in this very important effort? What will your legacy be? If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. 